25 seconds left to play. You're listening to the Matt Wyatt Show. I want winners. This crowd is alive. Play to win the game. Wyatt from the shotgun, two backs alongside. Knock him out, John. Wyatt gets the ball. It won't be long. Wyatt back to throw. Wyatt looks. Fires toward the end zone. Passes. Caught for touchdown by Matthew Butler. Speak to. They are who we thought they were. And we let them out the hole. I get out of hand. Just, just tell me I'm a jerk and shut up. Let's go scatter the west right tight. That's left. 372 Wise Picks. He's The Matt Wyatt Show. He's Radio Wyatt. Well, how am I going to go to college? I'll just play football. Hey, what's happening? Hour number two of the show underway. A little ranting going on in hour number one. I'm, I apologize. It was just called for today. Bulldog Blitz and the text line says two for Tuesday rants on the Matt Wyatt Show. I like it. Attaboy. Thank you very much, Bulldog Blitz. Miko says, I'm going to be honest, Matt. I listen to your show because it's a great show. And also to hear Chicken Hawk's calls. And then he says, LOL. Chicken Hawk finished us off. We had some folks hanging on the Divinity Equipment phone when hour number one ended. So if you're out there and still in position to call me back, got it open for you here on the Divinity Equipment phone. 995-1059. Hit me up. Give me a call. Love to hear your voice. You can also text the show. It is 885-ESPN, 885-ESPN or 885-3776. On that story about, you know, we had another deal. This time, it, instead of State versus Kentucky, it was Stephen F. Austin versus Sam Houston. A kicker comes out. He's kicking a ball around the band members, and there's a little pushing, you know, a little slight confrontation. They had to apologize for it, all that stuff. A text on the text line says, show respect for the band. If they are on the field a few minutes over, big deal. All football players should wait until the band has cleared the field before beginning warm-ups. Any disrespect for band, for the band should not be tolerated. Throw the kicker out of the game. You know, what I said is a penalty. That's what it ought to be. You know, put a time limit on it. Hey, coaches, if your players are on this playing surface before X time during halftime, then it'll be a 15-yard penalty to start the second half. That's not disrespect. What what happened there? That's that's just downright scorn. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Well, it's like just you, not, not even like, like you respect this person as a human, a fellow human being. Here, you're kicking yeah. a football around him. Yeah, yeah. You know, you just shouldn't. That's it. You just shouldn't. This young lady's trying to do her thing. She's practiced for weeks. Yeah, just like he has. Right. And I totally agree with this on the text line. From an unnamed texter says, I would love to hear Mike Leach's take on the horns down. <laughs> I would do. I hope somebody would ask him that. And I wonder if, eh, no, he wasn't at Texas Tech in 2012. No, that was bef- that would have been pre, like he left Tech in 08, 09, somewhere in there. The reason I, I can kind of line that up is because I know 2010, Yes, 2010. Mississippi State played at Houston. At Houston. And um, I went on that trip. 
was doing pregame, postgame radio at the time. And um, Mike Leach was the Mike Leach was the television announcer. He was the color analyst for that game on television. Any of y'all remember that? I got to meet him in the press box. Didn't talk long, but got to meet him. All right, here we go. Trey on the Divinity Equipment phone. What's up, Trey? Hey, Matt. Um, Been a kicker, you know, coach and everything, and know from experience, they have kicking nets that they can warm up into. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. Um, The thing about it is that they don't necessarily need to get out there on the field. And kick to an upright. That's right. They don't need if to. They do haven't that. got their form and stuff down by then. It's a little too late. Well, or kickers punting. always kind of get out there early and just start warming up before the rest of the people. Right. Um. Other than that, some just feel like they have to get out there and kick a bunch of extra footballs, which is really not necessary. Well, and that's the thing. They that have the is... net. They're on the sideline. There's even room along the back side of the end zones if they just want to see some fly that are yeah. away from the band, but it's really just a safety issue and that's it. probably more of an ego issue with some of those kickers. No doubt about I'll it. It's a, safety, it's a safety issue. Um, if they need to get out before the band is done, you, like you said, they could easily use the net. And it's you, you just can't have that. You can't have even behind the band. See, like when it happened between State and Kentucky a few weeks ago, State's band's out on the field. And Kentucky has guys along their sideline, which is directly behind the back line of the band who's facing the home side, and they're they're punting to each other lengthwise on the field. The ball's flying through the air and around, and the band's still out there marching around. And I know you got confidence in your foot, but you just can't have that. From a safety perspective, you can't have that. All it takes is one, you know, little neg- wrong swing of your foot, and you sort of shank it off to the inside, and you catch a trumpet player in the back of the head. You know, you just can't. So there's got to be a penalty when a team sends its players out there early. So I, I echo what you think, Trey. Appreciate the call. Uh, Jay Clay on the phone. What's up? Hey, Jay Clay, can you hear me? Sounds like uh, Jay Clay is just now re-entering our atmosphere. We're on the dark side of the moon there. We will we try to come back to him. We'll have him, we'll get him connected with our folks at Mission Mission Control in Houston. Or Cape. I know what his question was going to be. His question was what was it the same you know schools band as it was the team. The no, kicker? it was the other one. It was the other yeah. One. It was opposing opposing band on the field. Opposing kicker comes out early, and I get it. They need to warm up because he he got to run out there and get loose and hit a kickoff maybe if you're starting it but you just got to have certain things that you don't do you don't have footballs flying up and down the field at the same time as the band is marching around you just it's a it's that simple but you, you have to put that rule in place and he and here you're, the thing that's surprising is he, he he doesn't seem to think anything at all about doing it like this is absolutely normal so how long has this been going on yeah um, Jason on Twitter says that's bullying. He said, "If that band kid were six five two eighty, you can bet your biscuits a kicker ain't going within fifty feet of him." <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know about that. Um, hey, Jake Wimberly is supposed to be coming by in the studio. He has. He's already yeah. there. He is in the. 
hourglass right. chair. He's in the big chair. Jake right. Wimberly from the uh, the drive on the afternoons on uh, 105.9 The Zone, ESPN Radio, Jackson, Central Mississippi. Y'all know Jake. Y'all all listen to him. We all do. He's in the big chair in the studio right now. Hey, Jake. Matt. Hey, man. What's going on? Good to hear your voice. I don't know if you caught this, but I went on three different rants. And I just, I think before we go any further, you don't have to, but if you should want to weigh in on any of these, you can. All right. One was I went on a rant about people in my hometown, parents in the morning who can't wake up on time and they drive like maniacs trying to drop their kids off at school. Okay. The, the next one was this horns down thing. Like Texas wants everybody to believe that the Big 12 is behind them. They're super offended at anybody who would do the horns down signal. And Lincoln Riley had to address it yesterday in his press conference, and he actually said his players won't do it because he was told last year before the Big 12 championship game they'd get a penalty if they did, if they did horns down. Hand hand gesture, horns down, get a penalty. Maybe they've come up with another gesture they can use. Well, I bet they have. Whether or not we'll see it. And then the third issue was – Unicorns up. <laughs> and then, Jake, the third issue was this um, – the Sam Houston State kicker went out on the field while the Stephen F. Austin band was still performing at halftime. He's kicking the ball, and the associate band director comes over and takes his tee away from him. And then the kicker kind of takes the band guy over to the side and shoved him a little bit off the side of the field and went back out there and kept warming up. <laughs> any of those, have I covered them sufficiently, or do you have a hot take on any of those? No, I actually have a opinion on all those. One, I'm with you on the parents. Yeah. I mean, you got to get up. I make sure that, you know, I'm up. I've got a long commute every day with my daughter. Yeah. But you don't want to get hit by the soccer mom in the uh, SUV trying to make it, you know, she's got to get to yoga class at 830 and she's running late. Got to yes. get the kid dropped off. So yes. you, definitely I'm with you on that. Horns down. I mean, have we gotten that sensitive? Like we you said, have. it's not It's not like they're throwing, you know, the middle finger at somebody. I mean, it. <laughs> It'd be no different than, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm trying to come up with something. I mean, Mississippi State's got the cowbell, so, you know, people throw up like an X with their hand. They're against the, I mean, we couldn't think of anything, Jake, that would work in the SEC. Yeah, it's it's yeah. somewhat of a selfish deal. Uh, I'd say give them the horns down regardless. And the fact they get penalized, and then, of course, Sam Houston kicker. Look, I, I heard some of the responses on that. I mean, the halftime show is for the band. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it really is. It's for That is what that's dedicated to. And, yes, teams come out and warm up, but – Kickers can get to the side. I mean, he doesn't need to. Right. He doesn't need to use the field. So uh, shame on him for that. Shame on him. No doubt yeah. about it. Horns. A little down. bit of a Devo attitude there. Devo, and the horns down deal. I mean, they really do think. I just, I, I just can't get over it. It's the most Texas pile of crap I've ever seen. That is. You know, back when Mac Brown said the horns down is disrespectful, and we ought to talk to the league about that. You know, in the SEC. Go talk to the league about something disrespectful going on, and see see how long it see how loud the laughter emanates from the home offices in Birmingham. Disrespectful hand gesture. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. that okay. That's too many other issues out there to to battle other than horns down. Yeah. All right. So there's a reason I was hoping I'd get a chance to talk to you today, Jake, and that is analytics and numbers. You by trade are an engineer. You're a smart guy. You're good well, at, I wouldn't go that far. Yeah, you are. And you're good at math. Most um, people like Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> now, that was recorded, folks. Yes. He didn't just say that. He, that's recorded. He's good at math. 
He is, he is good at math. That's right. He's, he's analytical. I would, have you ever heard about these studies, Jake, of you know people who are right-brained versus people who are left-brained? Oh, yeah. So you're left-brained, certainly, aren't you? Oh, yeah. No doubt about no it. No doubt about it. And see, and I'm not. I'm, I'm right-brained. So that's why I want to talk to you. Analytics and numbers. Roger tipped me off yesterday that, that you have the formula, the, the hourglass, and you correct me on any of this. But he said that you had already started to look ahead at this weekend's LSU versus Florida game in Baton Rouge. What are you seeing when you look at the numbers on this? Yeah, I mean, that's one of the things I try to do weekly. You know, I do a spring, uh, you know, synopsis of what we look, what we think the numbers are going to show us for the entire football landscape, mm-hmm. 130 teams. Now, we fell on some of that, obviously. I mean, Tulane right now is one that's really bucking the numbers. Uh, but yeah. they have a transfer quarterback, and, you know, anytime you have a transfer like that, it can totally catapult your team. You look, remember Minshew last year took uh, Washington State from, say, a 7-8 win team to an 11-win team. So those kind of things happen. But, yeah, so weekly we're looking at the numbers. I was just sitting here looking at the gaming numbers for this week, trying to finish them up. But when you look at the LSU and the Florida matchup, all right, mm-hmm. so let's just let's go backwards. <clears throat> I had them both at 10-2 and two at the you know back in March when we okay. did the pro- projections. So I thought they both were probably 10-win teams. And I had this game – Back in March, is LSU a two-point favorite is what I had. Okay. And that's a two-point favorite. But now that was back when Felipe Franks was the quarterback at, at Florida. Uh, we thought Joe Burrow was going to be a nice quarterback. We had him rated, without boring everybody with the numbers, we had him rated as, as the 16th best quarterback in college football is mm-hmm. what we had. Him. Mm-hmm. So you have to fast forward. I mean, you look at talent, three-year roster talents. I look at threes versus four-year roster talent. That's a whole other story for another day. LSU with the third best roster talent in the, in the SEC. Florida with the sixth best roster talent. Okay. Uh, you know, Dan Mullen, a much better, and I say much, a, a considerably better head coach than Ed Orgeron. Right. But there was a lot of variables. We didn't know that Felipe Franks was going to go down. Mm. We didn't know that, uh, LSU's offense was really going to be as productive as it is with the, you know, insertion of a, of a, I guess a passing game coordinator, probably a, a, uh, Suedo offensive coordinator is what, you know, yeah. the guy from the Saints is. So right. all that in effect, you look at it, several things that's happened here. One, Burrow has blown the numbers off the charts. I mean, he's gone from the 16th best quarterback on my metrics to about the fourth best quarterback, only behind, you know, probably Jalen Hurts, Tua Tungvaloa, and um, you look at uh, the young man, J- Justin Fields at Ohio State. I mean, he has really played well. Right. And right now you're looking at about a 14-point swing in the quarterback competition. Just if you look at Trask, who's going to start this weekend versus Burrow. So that's a 14-point swing. Um, you know, recruiting, again, it's kind of a wash. And you look at the home field advantage, of course, that's a, that's that's going to make a difference as well. All in all, Matt, I'm, when I crunch these numbers, I've got LSU winning the ballgame somewhere around 27-17, uh-huh. probably a 10-point favorite. I think Florida covers the, the matchup. But I think that when you, you know, you're talking about it, it's too much to ask um, Trask to go in down there in, at, uh, in Baton Rouge. And to go win that football game. And I think when you look at the matchup defensively, Dan Mullen versus, uh, you know, the defensive coordinator at, at LSU, that's, that's a really fun matchup to watch. LSU hasn't played nearly the defensive football that we're accustomed them, uh, to them to being. But again, I think, uh, LSU's offense is just too much to handle this weekend. Okay. And Jake, uh, there, there's several things, man, that are really interesting about that. So you mentioned roster talent. Okay. Um, so, Obviously, LSU in your metrics, an advantage in terms of overall roster talent, right? LSU yes. had the advantage. 
Okay. It, it, yeah, advantage LSU, but it's not. It's not like it's an overwhelming. Advantage. Okay, a slight advantage. And it, it, is it fair to say that you could look at it, or somebody could look at it and go, "Well, maybe they have an advantage in roster talent, but Florida's got an advantage in coaching Mullen over Ogeron." If you were just looking at those two, yeah, maybe that wipes no that out. But you know, the thing about that is, is with this with LSU, is it's not like. Ogeron is really this year anyway heavily involved and in, he's not coordinating either side of the ball. Right? He's kind of the overseer is and the motivator and the organizer, but he's turned that offense over, leaving it alone, and obviously he leaves alone the defense for the most part, is the way I see it. Oh, there's no doubt about it. And another thing to look at too is I look at the, you know, I've got a poll that we put out. And of course, I try to take every bit of criteria that the college football playoff poll and those people say, hey, this is what we're using. And come up with my own poll. Now, you know, we've come close and been around, you know, everybody does their own little things. Sure. Right now, I mean, you look at offensive and defensive scoring efficiency. LSU has made a drastic jump. They're fourth in the country right now mm-hmm. in offensive scoring efficiency. That is huge. I mean, that's up there with Ohio State, Alabama, and the number one team, Oklahoma, in offensive scoring efficiency. Right. Where they've taken the step back is defensive scoring efficiency. They're 36 in the country. Conversely, Florida, you look at the Gators, they're, uh, excuse me, they are a 31st in the country. In offensive scoring efficiency and 11th defensively. So for me, this is can Florida's defense stalemate enough that that LSU offense to give, you know, their offense a chance against the LSU defense that is somewhat um, a shell of itself from recent years. Yeah. And, you know, the home and away thing to me, it's like the further we go, I don't know what it is, if it's today's kids or what. I just don't know, but it just seems like there's. You know these big, loud home atmospheres are worth a lot of points. I think. Oh yeah, and you no, saw there's it no doubt last week. So at the beginning of the week, I was curious because Roger told me, "Hey, you're kind of in lockstep, lockstep with what Jake's saying." Because I looked at it and said, "I see LSU like 31-17 type game." Yeah, and that's coming off. I picked Florida last week. I don't get a whole lot right, but every now and then I nail one and nailed that one because I'm looking at and the game played out the way I thought it would, and that is. That atmosphere in Florida, full, was kind of overwhelming, and it's not that way when you go on when Auburn went on the road to Texas A and M. It's different when you go to the swamp. The atmosphere jumped on them, and Florida had the matchup right because Florida's defensive front kind of just whipped them, whipped Auburn all day. Didn't let them run the ball, and Florida able to win it. As you go back to last week, were the numbers in favor of Florida at all going into that one? Yeah, they were favored in in Florida's advantage in in the coaching aspect of things. Uh, talent was a wash. The home field, the quarterback was the the big question for me because we don't have enough information on Bo Nix yet to really say okay, this is who he is. Mm-hmm. Now the national media says, yeah, hey, you know he's you know, and we joke about it. Tim Tebow called him God made for Gus Malzahn's offense, so we we kid about that. But we don't have enough game film. We don't have. We think we know who he is, but we're not sure. So what what we saw is Dan Mullen, you know, and Todd Grantham, they did a fantastic job of making Bo Nix make bad decisions. There was some situations in that game where Auburn had a chance to score. I mean, I had Auburn actually plus two, which means it's a wash. Yeah, it could it could have gone either way. I gave slight advantage to Auburn, but just and especially the way they had played. I mean, Auburn had they were four zero against the spread. They had already beaten two top twenty five teams, so they seemed a little more battle tested. Mm. But what Florida was able to do was really mess him up him being Bo Nix yeah and if they can do that to Joe Burrow this weekend you know they've got a shot okay 
Uh, real quick, with about a minute left here, do the numbers like Mississippi State in Knoxville this weekend? Yes, they okay. do. Yeah, we we kid a lot too on my show. If you know that about the Tennessee thing, that's kind of been fun. But no, Mississippi State, uh, they're sitting at a seven and a half point favorite. I've got them as a you know eight and a half point favorite. And yeah, the numbers. I mean, you look at, I mean, coaching and and stability. Mm. Absolutely. Even though Joe Moore has only been there two, you know, less than two years, favors Mississippi State. Okay. Um, you know, roster talent on paper, it's it's close. But then you look at attrition. I mean, there's so many things going on with that Tennessee program. Yeah. Um, and then of course the culture and the fact that Tennessee really just coming off a, a really emotional loss. Yeah. To Georgia, Mississippi State's had an off week. So yeah, the numbers to me favor Mississippi State this weekend. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. You know the. Um... I think, too, 11 a.m. game atmosphere favors state as opposed to if you had to go up there and play at night. Oh, absolutely. Also. Yeah. Well, yeah. We've seen that in this state, uh, in Oxford yeah. and Starkville, where, you know, the home teams have kind of gotten into, uh, you know, a slugfest in an 11 a.m. ball game because, again, it's, I think that's just football wide. It's not nearly, it's kind of almost an, unless it's a, you know, a huge ball game where both teams are sitting at say two and over three and early in the year. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a, it's kind of a neutral site ball game. The crowd's not into it as much as they would be the afternoon or night game. So yeah, definitely Mississippi state. I mean, if you're going to play that game, you want to play it early. Yeah. Good stuff. Hey, Jake, appreciate you stopping by, man. Thanks, Matt. Always yep. a pleasure. Appreciate yep. it. Yep. Absolutely. That's uh, Jake Wimberly, host of the drive in the afternoons on ESPN one Oh five, nine, the zone. Uh, Jackson, Central Mississippi, begins around 4 o'clock, so turn it on if you haven't already, but I'm sure you have. You know, Jake, I'm just curious. You know, Roger and I were talking, I guess it was yesterday, and talked a little bit about, you know, trying to figure out, okay, what's your gut say? You can always be wrong about those things, but gut said Florida last week. My gut this week says that same Florida team goes on the road. It's a totally different scenario. You hit the road and go out there in front of 90,000 and, you know, play a night game in Baton Rouge. It's going to be a 6 o'clock kickoff between LSU and Florida. And LSU's offense, LSU's defense has not been good. They haven't. Not been great. I mean, they've been okay. Been certainly good enough, right, because they score so many points on offense. But, so, I mean, Florida will move the ball and keep it some. And that'll be the key to Florida staying in the game is keeping the ball uh, on the field and long drives to keep it away from LSU. But LSU will pull it out, I think, and – Jake seems to think the uh, same thing. What do you think? Let me know. We'll keep going when we come back here in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, go with the home team. You're listening to the Matt Wyatt Show. Just got a um, direct message. Just got a direct message on Twitter from uh, someone that I know giving me a heads up. Apparently there's going to be, what is this? Uh, so it's, okay, so I'm, I'm, I'm looking through it here. I'm, I'm not certain about all the details. Apparently coming up on... ESPN sometime this week. I'm looking at, and I got your message. Yeah, so thank you. Uh, coming up on ESPN sometime this week, there's supposed to be a um, special 
or some show or some special that's going to air about recruiting, like the history of recruiting or something about recruiting uh, in college sports and that kind of thing. It's the first I'm seeing of it. And now as I look through this link, I'm just giving you a heads up as a listener to my show. Okay. I'm looking at some of the names on here and I don't really know how to take it because like one, I'm not going to put them on front street. One of the names I see here that's involved in it is someone I respect very much. Um, Another one of the names who apparently involved in this is one of the biggest frauds that there has ever been in sports media. And so he's involved with it. So um, I'm not going to watch it. And here, I'm going to tell you why. Uh, So let me just pass this along, then I'm coming to the phone line. If you listen to my show, I would like for you to have a very clear picture on the recruiting landscape in, in all major sports. And I'm sure that you do, because you're smart. You got your feet on the ground, you're realistic. So listen to me. If anybody in the sports media world, if anybody in the sports media world would put something in front of you, a a show, uh, a movie, a written piece, anything, and try to have you believe that some, that, that everybody's on a level playing field, and that there's a lot of above-board recruiting going on <laughs> and all this kind of stuff. Just, just look, just turn your nose up. Well, first hold your nose and turn away. Wait a minute. You're saying that's not the case? What I'm saying is, Roger, everybody with any sense knows what, it, what recruiting is all about. You know, and this idea that some coaches are better than others. No, some coaches do things that others don't. Some coaches coach at schools with more resources than others. I mean, it is a that it's a fact. Okay, it's a fact. And you know, it's like uh, it does. It just it doesn't take much brain power at all to figure it out. Schools look at look at football. Well, the schools who the fan bases and the states they are in have the most emphasis on football over the years have done and continue to do the most breaking of the rules. I don't really even call it cheating anymore because pretty much everybody does it across the board just in varying degrees. And it's not a it's not a thing that is a, a big mystery anymore. <laughs> Look at basketball. The schools with the biggest basketball fan bases who put the most emphasis on it do the most, you know, money under the table and around the table and all that kind of stuff to players. They just do. That's the way it is, it's the way it's been forever. Nobody debates it. Nobody questions it. It is the way it is. So if any media entity would try to purport anything else, they're just wasting your time. The reality is recruiting at any large level has always been um, contrary to what the NCAA rules pretty much are. It's just a matter of what can you get away with and how can you figure it out and working around that. And I hate to say it, but that's the truth. And this idea that the NCAA somehow is a big police force out there that can watch over it, that is just absolutely asinine. The only thing, listen to me when I say this, run, tell this, the only thing the NC2A has ever done from an enforcement standpoint 
The only thing they have ever done is hand down enough penalties to the people they choose to, from time to time, to keep up the perception that they are monitoring it. Does that make sense? That's all it is. That's all it is. For the most part, they are a ghost that you all believe in. So as far as I'm concerned, any programming, anything out there that's trying to, I don't know, highlight the history of recruiting or talk about recruiting as it is right now in terms of it being a big business, you're wasting my time because I know what goes on. We all know what goes on. It is what it is. Don't tell me how great a recruiter this coach and that coach and these others are. We know what's going on. At least anybody with half a noggin knows what's going on. All right. Divinity Equipment phone line. Here we go. Chicken Hawk's back on the line. Been hanging on for a while. Chicken Hawk, thanks for calling back. What's up? Yeah, Bob Taylor, look at here. Uh, that doggone professor, and undoubtedly he must make more money than, uh, than Bo because uh, as long as it took, as long as I was on hold for you to pay for his little old segment and all of his <laughs> knowledge and stuff, Oh, I mean, that dog, but look here. I enjoyed like it, though. I didn't pay him to come on. I didn't pay him to come on, well, I, I promise. Well, well, Roger did, but that don't make no difference who paid him the money. It's just like the recruiting, brother. It don't make no difference. Somebody slipping the man some money under the table. Mm. Oh, that may have been that. Right? That the little brown oh. bag he carried out with left. <laughs> oh, that one, yeah. yeah. Well, look here, you know, it's like, it's like my daddy said, that dog on professor is sharp as a tack and twice as flat-headed. But the reason I call, I need a little public service announcement there because before I got, well, I couldn't hear y'all. Heard somebody texting or something that want me to play the song. I'm not going to do that, but they undoubtedly, they must be watching and listening to my Saturday morning road show to start Vegas. So, you know, I only do that on the home game. So, uh, before I got me a good, and look at here, if you'd have been listening Saturday to Jake's show, old Coach A called, you see me and old Coach O. It, uh, I call him old Big O. Me and old Big O and Big Tipico O. Real, <laughs> yeah, me and Big O and Tipico and Boudreau, we all real good friends. And somebody called me and said, hey, man, old Big O just give you a, a shout-out on, on Jake's morning show. And I had to call Big O and tell him, man, I appreciate that. So what I'm trying to get around to is old Big O is probably going to call in on my Saturday morning road show when we play them Tigers. Mm. And – I got a new song called The Eye of the Bulldog. Okay. You have to send it to me. Yeah. Hey, Chicken Hawk. I was Hawk. looking forward to his version of uh, Rocky Top. I thought that might. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Find a lot of opportunities there. Yeah. <laughs> For next well, you, year, maybe. You know how to get it, don't you? You got it from Blue Bell. I got always it. always on Blue Bell. I got it on Facebook. Yeah. So you put ain't it on you there? Uh, you ain't hip. No, not yet, dude. I'm doing okay. stuff. Flows, it flows when it flows. Oh, I see. You see what I'm okay. you, the yeah, inspiration I mean, has to hit you. Yeah, it don't. It don't happen like. Oh, uh, I, mean, I don't write it down and you know <laughs> script it. This oh. stuff's all unscripted. But I just oh, so it's out. freestyle. You're like a freestyle rapper. Well, I don't like that rapping now. But you go with Janis Joplin or Jimi Hendrix or ACDC or Van Halen. I can free. <laughs> I can free do that. You know what I'm saying? Did you hear him, Roger? Roger get me a Mercedes Benz. Roger, did you hear him? He said, like, Van and Halen. <laughs> <laughs> hey. Listen, uh, you were saying, oh, uh, me, and Bobby, me and Bobby McGee about them here. She's talking about an 18-wheeler driver uh-huh. with them windshield wipers flashing down and all. Yeah. But anyway, uh-huh. I'm going to let you go. Okay. But uh, help me out. 
and put my stuff on Twitter because I don't do Twitter. And, and let me see if uh, I can't get somebody to uh, hire me. To hire you? Okay. We'll do what we can. Appreciate yeah, Roger, it, Chicken Hawk. Hey, Ro- wait, Roger, uh, you going to hire me up there every now and then for a little something? Oh, yeah, sure, sure. As soon as they mm-hmm. untie the purse strings. Mm-hmm. Yep. We well, can just give a whole sack full of money to the professor. We just, we got to get it in the budget first. Yeah. Checking out. We got to save our pennies. <laughs> hey, love y'all. <laughs> See you. See you. Uh, Gator Man, if you can hang on, we're coming to you next on the Divinity Equipment phone. That and more. And your text, Bulldog Barney, I got yours. We'll address that coming up next as well. I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, go with the home team. Stick around. You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show. Back on the show. The Braves took it on the chin yesterday. Extra innings. And, I, you know, I'm rooting for the Braves However, it's really hard. I wasn't rooting actively against Dakota Hudson and yeah, young man. I just wanted to see him do well. I don't mind seeing extra baseball. I'll just be honest with you. I want the Braves to win tomorrow. They're going to play back in Atlanta, the final deciding game, game five of the NLDS. Cardinals were able to win. And Yadier Molina, this, this great player, had this great postseason moment. You know, how can you argue that? Even if you're, it's not your team, you have to be able to appreciate it. When you see something like that, it's been a great series. So they're going to have game five tomorrow in Atlanta. Um, Bulldog Barney on the text line says, Hey, Matt, I think uh, the Bo Bounds crew has let their cheese slip off the cracker. They're saying the dogs lose in Knoxville and the sardines win in Columbia, (laughs) Missouri. So that would be he's saying they're saying state's going to lose to Tennessee and uh, on the road, and that Ole Miss, who he called the Sardines, <laughs> would win uh, in Columbia, Missouri. Yeah, I would actually differ on both of those. I I think I see State going to Knoxville and winning. I think the 11 a.m. game helps State helps the road team as opposed to the night game. Uh, State has had an extra week. They're Potentially could be. I, it's not that I you know, anybody that's a Tennessee fan thought or or on the team thought they were going to beat Georgia, but they certainly put a lot into it and threw a couple of punches early and were up 14-10 and they got run out of there. And with a big rivalry game like that, there's always a chance there could be just a little bit of a letdown the next week. I do think Tennessee will be ready to play against State, though. I just think State um, with two weeks to get ready, quarterbacks a little bit more healthy. And and any time to this point throughout two and a half seasons, any time Moorhead and State have been in a little bit of a def, desperate spot, they've responded pretty well. Last year against Auburn, this year against Kentucky, and I think they feel the same way right now with this game, even though it's on the road. They feel kind of the same way after going to Auburn last week. And even though it's a big place, it's just not at all going to feel like what Auburn felt like last or, or two weeks ago. So um, I like State up there. And as far as Ole Miss at Missouri, you know, I do think a lot of it depends on Missouri's ability to keep their quarterback, Kelly Bryant, in the game the whole time. 
He got a little banged up last week in their win, and they lost their best linebacker. I say lost him. I mean, he may get back, right? But they, they were saying yesterday or today he's having pectoral surgery, so you know he's not playing this weekend. And um, and that's a big blow to Missouri's defense. It is. Missouri is such a big favorite, though. That's the thing for me is I don't expect a blowout of, in, in any stretch. I think I saw 10 or 11 points or something like that, and fine, that's a betting line, and maybe the betting public out there doesn't think too much of Ole Miss, so that's their way of evening the money out. Um, they know what they're doing. Sure, fine. But I see a closer game because of Ole Miss's ability to run the ball. They're going to run it. They're going to find ways to run it. It shortens the game. The clock runs. They keep the ball. And so the possessions um, are not going to be quite the same for Missouri either. So I see a, a lower-scoring, closer game, but Missouri's a little better. They've got things built up a little bit, a little better, and a little confidence in there at home. And It's not an easy place to go play up there. It seats a lot more people than you think. I know they had some construction going on, but yeah, but I would probably go with Missouri in a close game as opposed to, you know, one of those two score type games. So like Missouri at home, like State on uh, the road. There you go, Bulldog Barney. Thanks for your text. The Punisher texts the show and he says, "How much do I have to pay for you to cut off Chicken Hawk's phone after one minute?" Yeah, generally we can get our point across in a minute or less, can't we? On the phone, generally. It's like that comedian I heard many, many years ago. He said uh, he went into the music store back when you had to go into a store to get it. That's how old Roger and I are. We remember you go into the record store or the music store. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, he said he went in there, and in the cassette tape section, there was a tape there. It said how to get your point across in 30 seconds or less. He said the problem is the tape's 90 minutes long. <laughs> so it's a little hypocritical for me who does a two-hour radio show to tell you or a caller that you got one minute. But I do get it. Generally, we got about a minute long uh, attention span. What was that the guy who sold all those videos, those training videos on ESPN? Maybe Chicken Hawk's trying to get a deal going like that. Yeah, get oh, that uh, real good deal on the Tom Mamansky. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah, if he can tell us how to field a ground ball and. How to hit to the opposite field effectively and swing a bat like Fred McGriff, then maybe Chicken Hawk could be on to something. <laughs> He's our newest artist right. on KTEL Records. <laughs> yeah, maybe so. Um, let's see. Here's a question on the text line Which football field is the worst, Vandy or Missouri? So the field, are you talking about? To the texture, the unnamed texture, you have to let me know. Are we talking about stadium or playing surface? You know, we say field, I think about the surface. And they're both artificial. They're both artificial. Roger, I don't know if I told you this. But speaking of artificial fake turf, I think it's a lot different back in the day, wasn't it? Oh yeah. Back when in the eighties and, and nineties. Really all turf the was like that stuff people put on there. Oh, it was their thick. deck out in the backyard. It would skin you all to pieces. Yeah. Burn, baby, burn. Yes, right. And it'd get really hot, you know. Okay, yo, okay, so playing surface. Huh. Yeah. So Vandy, Missouri are artificial surfaces. Who else Either. who else still has artificial surfaces, playing surfaces in the SEC? Uh, Ole Miss doesn't anymore. They have moved to natural grass. And I'll tell you this, 
they're doing a good job with theirs. Back in the day, in the 90s, when we'd go play at Ole Miss, their turf was always bad. But you see it now, now that they've gone back to natural grass, it looks really good. Got a state uh, guy up there. And maybe they do. I mean, it looked great the other night when they were hosting Bandy. They um, sure has turned out a lot of, uh, what, what do they call folks? Who, uh, well, uh, they call, what do they call them? People who, groundskeepers? Turf management guys. Yeah, yeah, not, not on a, yeah, yeah. minimum. I mean, it's a mm-hmm. Right, turf management. Yeah. Yeah. States playing surface in Starfield is always kind of known, and it's known around college sports as the best. Uh, all of their surfaces. you got to be if you're an a and Yeah, that's you're, right. That's right. Um, so, but I'm thinking, so Vandy and Missouri have artificial. Does Arkansas still have artificial in Fayetteville? Maybe they do. I think they do. So maybe those are your three. Oh, uh, Kentucky. Kentucky's got an artificial surface. Um, any others? I guess that's it. Yeah, I guess those are the four places you go on the road in the SEC and there they got fake grass. But in terms of being the worst, I don't know. It's hard to – I mean, because all the artificial stuff is the worst. I don't like it. I think you ought to play on grass, especially in your university that, you know, you're making millions upon millions upon millions upon millions of dollars. Um, You ought to have real grass to play on because this is better, period. All right, uh, text here. Florida has uh, good enough defense to keep them in the game. LSU's defense is lacking, so the Gators – should be able to score. Playing before a big crowd last week and beating Auburn should be helpful going into Death Valley. See, the last part of that I disagree with. The first part I agree with. Yes, they do have a good enough defense, surely, to keep them in the game some. Yeah, because, look, Florida's defense is going to make some plays. Their defensive front is going to be in the LSU's backfield some. Joe Burrow will get pressured every now and then and, and get hit some. Sure, he will. Florida's defense is just good enough to do that. The thing is, though, if you watch LSU's offense, they get rid of the football so quickly. So much of their pass game is the ball out of his hand. He's not uh, doing a ton of stuff in the pass game where he's holding the football in the pocket. What you would call five-step drop game. You know, where if you were under center, you'd go five steps, set up in the pocket, read it down the field 15 and beyond, 15 yards and beyond. They're not doing a lot of that. A lot of their stuff that is explosive and down the field for LSU is just one-on-one. We get the one-on-one opportunity we want. We throw it up for grabs, and you go run it down. So the ball's still coming out relatively quick. So that's the thing to me is I just they are so proficient in the short pass game, the quick pass game with those receivers and Joe Burrow that they will nullify some of this great pass rush that Florida has. And the other thing it does, it wears you out. The LSU defense is lacking, yes, and so certainly Florida's chances of staying in and winning the game ultimately is it's even it's not explosive plays. It's staying on the field for 14 and 15 play drives, converting on third and two all day long, and just hanging on the football so that LSU's offense is over there watching the game mostly. So time of possession for Florida is going to be huge in this game given the matchup. But then you said. Uh, playing before a big crowd last week and beating Auburn should be helpful going into Death Valley. And I just think it's totally different. It's it's just an entirely different experience. Um, you know, the biggest games on Florida's schedule, look at them. What, are they playing in the Georgia game, the cocktail party, 
but it's a neutral site in Jacksonville. They're not even going to Athens. This is hands down, far and away, not even close, the toughest road trip all year for Florida. And playing in front of your home fans, I mean, it's going to flip on them the other way, being in Death Valley at 6 o'clock kickoff on Saturday night. Atmosphere is a big advantage for LSU, no doubt. No doubt. So I'm, I'm making a prediction early in the week. I'm sticking to it. I like LSU 31-17. Let's see what happens. Great show today. Appreciate all the phone calls. Gator Man, I know we missed you, but call me back again tomorrow, and we'll do it again in the Farm Bureau studio. See you then. See you. You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show. Hey, uh, Suedo offensive coordinator is what you know, the guy from the Saints is.